Hello, hello, hello. This is Mark. Welcome to Speak Brave Podcast. John, hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. Good to see you. Well, are you ready for excitement, learning, discovery, and treasure seeking that is Speak Brave? Every time I get with you, I'm always ready. I'm ready for excitement and for learning and for fun and for the enjoyment. I always walk away with more than I have when I began. That's the key. I love it. And that's the point. That's the point. In life, sometimes life is not that pretty. No, it's not. In fact, I've taken a course a few years ago from a famous social psychologist. It's one of those massive online open course, affectionately called MOOCs. M-O-O-O-C? MOOCs? No, no, it doesn't. I've not heard of it, but it's a great name. I was trying to be funny, but I, clearly my joke did not laugh. And I hope some of you out there laughed at me or with me, which is okay, too. So MOOC and this social psychologist, the professor, he said this, this was his opening line when he did an intro for the course. He looked people in the eye and his glasses on and he said, life is messy. Life is messy, isn't You've it? You've said that before. I did? Not that specific context, but you have used the phrase, life is messy. Life can be messy. It can be. Yes. So let's clean it up in the best way we can and leave some parts as they are. And but I've some got my glasses on so that I can <laughs> focus. So you can see and figure it out. Well, welcome. Welcome again to Speak Brave Podcast. I see you, John. I see you, people. Uh, I see all my friends who, where we, we are recording this podcast, and you can enjoy our interaction on video as well. Subscribe, share it with your friends, and like, heart, and share. John, today we'll continue from our previous discussion um, on the topic, the fascinating topic of persuasion. Mm-hmm. Are you on board with us? Yes, I am. Persuasion okay. is something that. I used to think was just purely involved in the salesmanship, and I know you talked about some of those components. But now what's happening is that we're beginning to understand persuasion, and I'm seeing persuasion as a sense of authenticity in the communication that helps people to feel comfortable with you and helps to minimize, reduce, and in many cases eliminate the uncertainty that people have about you that make them sort of stand away from you and wonder if they really want to listen to what you have to say or connect with you. Absolutely. Persuasion. I believe everyone who is worth the grain of salt or in any kind of profession, it doesn't matter whether you are working at the factory or you are a customer mm-hmm. service representative, specifically if you're dealing with people, you must learn the art of persuasion. Yes. Sales people, leaders, communicators, absolutely. If you remember last time, we just started. Uh, there's three phases that, yes. we, that we're going to highlight in this. There's a pre- Pre-suasion, Pre-suasion, then conversation, and then post. And in the pre-suasion, remember we had um, the five things we talked about. Mm-hmm. They are, what are the outcomes yes. of, of the interaction? Mm-hmm. Are they clear? Do you have clear outcomes? What is your offer? What are you going to offer? What do you want people feel, think, and do differently mm-hmm. at the end of the, of the conversation? Why you? Why should we care? Why do we have to invest into our relationship with you? And why do we have to buy from you? Or not buy, but consider you to be in our lives. Yeah? Is that too much? No, it's not too much. Okay. And it was very, very good when we went through it. Okay. Number four is objection. We have to focus on objection killer metaphors, right? To make sure that um, we create stories. Just 
it, and I think we talked about cheeses, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, that the cheeses always talked in in terms of um, stories. Parables. He yeah. always tells stories. Absolutely. But they were stories with a point. So there was this degree of metaphor in it, but there was also a degree of mysteriousness sometimes. Absolutely, it is, and also it was relatable. Very relatable, much so. understandable, yeah. and persuasive. And number five, triggers. What are the triggers that you can invoke yes. in a person's mind to move them to be um, <clears throat> to be positive in their response to take action? <laughs> I like that positive in their response because what, what what came on the tip of my tongue is to be persuaded. But some people do not want to be persuaded. Um, At least they don't want to think that they're persuaded. Yes. I think they would rather yes. think, okay, I can see that yeah. for what it is, and I can see it would benefit me. I'll take it. It's not a matter of persuasion. They feel like they took ownership of the idea and agreed with it. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think you're right. And that's that's the key. And we, when we're going to craft this, this persuasion is a, is a very delicate art, mm-hmm. right? Do you ever feel, and for some <clears throat> reason, I just want to make sure I mention this. Some time ago, John, I lived in a... Delaware, you know, state of Delaware, mm-hmm. and there there was this mall that I used to go to shop. It was called Christiana Mall. That's an interesting name, Christiana. Christiana. Uh, there's a town, Christiana, or a little like part of the subdivision. It's it's, it's an area of the space uh, out of the suburb area. It's called Christiana, right? Like we have different areas. Yeah, like Altamont Spring. Yes, Altamont, or like Millennia, or Windermere. Or Celebration. Absolutely. And every time I went to that mall, I could feel the arms of that establishment just just, just hugging me, just, just, just giving me, hmm. just, just holding me close and just gently guiding me to purchase and to have a great experience. Never quite experienced something like that. That's very interesting because... The, I never really think of malls as that, although there was a time in my life when I just loved to go to malls. Right. The, the reason I, I want to mention this to you is somebody, an architect or a trade um, representative, somebody has engineered, manufactured, crafted, composed, designed this experience. When you walk into the mall, you feel at ease. There's a lot of malls that I have walked in in, your, in my life. I'm not, not sure if you've ever been uh, finding the parking, walking in, and then some labyrinth, this maze to get to where you're going. But mm-hmm. this mall was, I don't know if it still exists, unlike any other mall I've ever seen before. And now that I have this time to reflect on it is somebody with experience, somebody with care, thought things through. From the time you come into the hill or whatever the place where the mall is, the time you park, the time you walk, the time that you walk through the door, the what you see, you see the pool, like a little reflection pool. You see uh, high atrium. You see lightness and openness, but it's also not too overbearing. And I believe persuasion and arguments and conversations that we can craft also take care. We are the designers, we're the, the architects of the experience that we can bring to the table. Does that make sense? We can just put a mall together quickly, put, you know, Sears, J.C. Penney, Bloomingdale's, Macy's as anchors and just connect uh, in a hodgepodge way the different stores around it. Or 
we can think about the user experience. Yes. We can think about what do we want the other person to feel, think, and do right. differently. How can we contribute to their life? How can we move them that they want to do business with you, that they want to spend time with you? And every time I went to the Cristiano Mall, I have spent money. I still have clothing from the time that I bought like 15 years ago from that mall. Huh. That's how much I have invested myself in that establishment i never came across anything like it in my life hmm things like this gives you pause that everyone with craft understanding patience and, and work can craft persuasion arguments persuasion points that will move people to action that's my point what do you think i think i'm still dwelling on the idea <laughs> I just think to myself, wow, what a great thing. Well, yeah, I mean, everything just, everything just felt right. It was nothing out of place because, you know, a lot of times you, I feel malls like it's utilitarian. It just, there's the monstrosity. It just doesn't fit. Just doesn't fit. Yeah, it's like a hodgepodge. Yeah. But this sounds to me like an experience. It was. It truly was. Never seen it before, never wow. seen it since. Well, now I can see where you're going yeah. with that because in the design of your communications, yes. you're trying to create something that when people enter into that part of the experience where there's mm-hmm. a persuasion component, correct? they somehow or the other find themselves very, very relaxed. Safe. You've already talked about the persuasion mm-hmm. part because mm-hmm. if you don't do the preparation in the beginning, mm-hmm. then there's a, a much greater struggle to win the approval of the individual because now in a sense you've heard the term drag somebody in kicking and screaming yeah we don't want to do that. we don't want to do that so you want them to to literally voluntarily want to go with you into the next phase of this process so tell us how that might be done i'm glad that we can continue with this first like i said we talked about persuasion and if you are interested to hear about the components of strong preparation and things you must think and do in a deep reflective way yep. and very rigorous it's available in the previous episode, and I hope you can mm-hmm. catch up and start. Or you can just listen to this one if you're interested, obviously. right? Obviously. Since, since you're already here. Uh, oh, I'm here. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the I audience. came because I wanted to be here. The audience is here because they knew you would be here. I, I appreciate that. So in, in our conversation, in our actual so pre-conversation post, so we're going to talk about the, the, the body of the conversation. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about the body of the process. Okay? First of all, Number one step that we must start with is observe. Now, are you talking about you, the seller, mm-hmm. the persuader, persuader being the observer? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So would you agree with that, that we must observe? Mm-hmm. When, okay, we enter the conversation. This is a go time. This is it. This is the stakes are the stakes. Are you okay? <coughs> Excuse me. I hope Hello, everyone. This Hello. Is so the first step. I swallowed wrong. <laughs> That's what coffee will do to you when you're talking to someone. I hope you're okay. You are in control right now. <laughs> hey, John. Okay, so our first step when we have the conversation so is we observe. We observe and we pay attention. We make sure all of our senses are tuned are turned on and on alert. We 
want to understand, we want to see, we, we look at the body language, we look at the words, we look at the facial expressions, we look at how the person moves the part. through the room. That's the part that resonates yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. When I <clears throat> come into a, a venue mm-hmm. as a speaker, I want to be able to have an opportunity to just look at the audience to see the expressions because sometimes the expressions of the audience give you a just a whole flood of data as to where there are people that seem to be looking forward to hearing the next word out of your mouth there are others that are sitting there that are waiting is this going to be good mm-hmm. and there almost always will be those that are saying, I'm waiting for you to prove to me why I'm even here. Absolutely. And that's what it is. But that's the challenge. You observe, and you, but you're ready. You already have confidence rooted in your preparation. Yes. Observe. Second step is you question. Now, how do you question a situation like that? Well, you don't question. You ask questions. You ask questions. You, you dig. You dig for things that will establish rapport something that will showcase the pain. Can you give us some recommendations or some suggestions or ideas of how you might do that? What brought you here today? Oh, okay. How did you become who you are now? What decisions have you what decisions have you have to what decisions have you made to arrive at this point in your life? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? Tell me a story. Tell me about you. What are you thinking about? How can I help you? How can you get them to tell you about themselves? Absolutely. And their pain. And their problem. Because we are trying to solve, serve, and source a problem. Do you think that most audiences are looking for answers to problems more so than to just be warmed in their spirit and made to feel better? I feel... One of the most fundamental... Well, I, I like how, where you're going with this, John, because when we're trying to persuade, I will, for the, for the constraints of this topic, we'll talk about one-on-one persuasion mm-hmm. and one-to-groups. One, one, groups. We will not talk about the audiences. We will, if it's necessary, but our default discussion is one-to-one. And you have said something interesting. You said, do the people want to be... What did you say? You said I said. Do they want to be? Warm? Are they there because they want to have answers? They want to have a pain point addressed, or are they there just simply to listen to somebody warm their hearts and make them feel better? Both. Absolutely both. It's an art. I feel that I come across this many times from various people and psychologists uh-huh. that yeah. the most fundamental need that we have as human beings is for connection connection and also affirmation connection affirmation care and closeness we must know we must feel we must have this need fulfilled that somebody cares somebody who will assure us that they are there for us heard a common phrase last night yeah people don't care about what you know they want to know that you care Yes, and I heard that from Mr. John Maxwell. People don't care how much you know until they see how much you care. Absolutely, and that is 100% true. Do you know that 
we are, as a society, we are very fragmented. And not only are we fragmented, sometimes I agree. Our, our own nature works mm-hmm. against us. Yeah, I agree. Our own social and social and uh, structures and processes force us to look at outsiders, somebody who don't look, who does not look like us, who don't think like us, who, don't, who doesn't talk like us, to ostracize them and maybe punish them. Not saying punish them, but rather exclude them from a conversation. Yes. And if we do include them, it's because oh, we want something or we are forced or we have obligation. And I feel that a lot of good people are either misguided or don't understand the value of bringing people who are not. And it's there's many different topics, which is outside of this discussion. But I feel we don't we don't include everyone. So there is an important component here in your persuasive process as yes. a speaker uh-huh. where you have to create a sense of inclusionism, if I could create a word. That's a, that's a good word, John. The sense of inclusionism. <clears throat> why am I saying this word? I don't even know what it means. It just popped into my mind. Inclusionism. What does about, this even mean, John? Well, you know what? I think it's easy to define. I realize that it's really a, a spinoff of, an, of inclusion, but... Uh-huh. Maybe inclusionism, inclusionism should be the process of always thinking in terms of nobody is on the outside looking in. We want yeah. everybody to come into the space. Right. So you find a way, uh, a common ground, rapport. Yeah. You question. So the questions is the verbal, is the verbal exercise, it's a verbal uh, point of connection that you can create. Building a relationship Building with the relationship. audience and letting them actually come into your world and you willing to come into theirs. Absolutely. You're not up there. They're down here. You're having an energy exchange, as you often say. We have a conversation. We have a conversation. And yes, public speaking, any kind of speaking, any kind of persuasion is an energy exchange. And that's why you like TED Talks, because they're well, very conversational. Well, you must, because TED Talks have set a new standard mm-hmm. for the way we communicate and I've seen TED Talks about every topic that you can make. And I'm sure there's going to be still more. And I hope you enjoy. And TED try. Talks, never, I never yeah. tire of listening so, to TED Talks. So as we go through this um, conversation yeah. process, so first we observe. Then we question. Mm-hmm. So we question our, our, ourselves why we're here. And then we question the audience and somebody who we want to interact with. And we relate. We, that, that's the third point is we relate. So we question because we dig for the things that we can create or connect, connect, relate, so we can move forward. Does that make sense? So that really is the foundation of where you are on the stage. Right. You're not just a person occupying a space, but you are willing to occupy their space and you're allowing them to occupy yours. Yeah. Even if it's just a mental thing. And even if if it's just one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we observe, we question, we relate, we relate. And then we come to a very interesting point in the persuasion. Some people call it flip to ego. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, it and is. the reason I say this, John, is because I think you have seen this do, uh, when you have seen people do this to you, or maybe you have done this, and you're probably doing this already. Like, for example, you speaking to someone, and you're trying to tell them some new piece of information or just in the course of conversation, and you look at them with a warm smile and you say, you know what, you already know this. 
you you're, you're you already do this you know why, why am i telling you this i'm just here to contribute or when you're talking to the audience you're trying to um, establish connection rapport and you say this is you guys are smart you can see right through it and thank you for coming here thank you for investing in yourself so you flip to ego but not in a manipulative or malicious way but rather affirming them affirming an individual i like that affirming affirming the your conversation partner i see greatness in you i see it because i've seen it based on this 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 and that and that's how i see it. that's a tony choose. robbins trait that he does extraordinarily well <laughs> tony robbins is my hero and uh he is just an amazing man and i hope you i hope to see meet him one day john i do I, too i hope to meet him Maybe I can meet him this year, 2017, on stage, maybe in private conversation, possibly, or maybe we can have a coaching relationship. So, Tony Robbins, if you're listening, I'm available to work with you. <laughs> Give me a call and, uh, and we'll, we'll get it done. Usually, I don't have, I don't put a, anyone on a high pedestal mm-hmm. because I believe everyone has a chance to contribute and make meaningful change in your life, in your own life, and in the life of others. What Tony Robbins says, he's relentless. He's relentless, and I respect him for the for the single purpose that he's a learner, just like you. He's a learner, and he'll never stop. And I think when you flip to ego, you establish rapport because I think this whole process is a relationship. And to borrow a concept from physics, we're talking about we are talking about resonance, resonant relationship. This is also comes from emotional intelligence. All leadership is relationships, and relationships, sometimes they get in tune, they resonate with each other. So they resonate where one goes, the other one follows, and sometimes you get out of sync, you get out of resonance, it's called dissonance, and sometimes you get back into together. So I think flip to ego, affirming the other person is investing in your relationship, investing into the resonant relationship and persuasive relationship. How do you feel about that? Well, it relates to me well in the musical sense of the word because I'm familiar with resonance as it relates to music Mm -hmm. and understand the concept of dissonance. Mm -hmm. I will say this. Sometimes a dissonance is necessary because the dissonance cries for resonance. It cries for a solution, a, how do you say, a a finale, a finality in the presentation. Uh, so, so I can see where dissonance would play a role, but it has to be premeditated. So are you saying, if, if, <coughs> if I understand this point correctly, you must have darkness to appreciate the light? Exactly. You must have sorrow to appreciate joy? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Sometimes in my speech telling on the Alzheimer's subject, I will talk about the dark places that occur in our lives because of watching Mother and the relationships that we have with her sometimes that it can be very, very difficult. It's a struggle. It's a sense of hopelessness. And when you factor in the fact that Alzheimer's is an incurable disease and ultimately fatal, there is that impending sense of darkness. So how do you bring a resonant light of hope into what is a dissonant message and it is a message that is dark and foreboding how do you shut aside the dark and foreboding and find the hope find that i think any great speaker 
has enough of a connectivity to their to their audience or to the individual that they're talking to one on one that if they're truly transparent and sincere and I see this in you a great deal you're always wanting to know where their pain point is you're always wanting to know where they're hurting you're always wanting to know where they're struggling you're wanting to know their very deepest emotion so you're not looking for the ya ya ha ha happy 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 first you're looking for the where can I go to find what's hurting you and give you a hope so that I can turn your frown upside down? Right. Use that term. It's a cute term. I like it. By the way, I've seen it, heard it before. For some reason, I just thought about the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Have you been to a Ferris wheel, John? Oh, yes, many times, and I love them. I hear there's a really, really bodacious one in Orlando. That's the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> it's not just bodacious. I've not been on it yet. Okay, you know what? I like the word bodacious. Friends, listeners, I think this is one of those rare, not rare. This this nuggets happen all the time. When when you can call a Ferris wheel a bodacious, bodacious structure, I think you have achieved something in your life. I think you arrived to a point in your life when you're just thinking, when you think... You know what? When I can call a first wheel bodacious structure, I think I have a license to do anything I want. So, John, I appreciate that. And I invite everyone to come and visit Orlando and take a trip on our bodacious Ferris wheel. It's called Orlando Eye. It's, it's located near I Drive, and you can see the city for miles. It's one, of, it's one of the highlights. I'm not sure if you can see the parks. Partly you can see some of the parks. Right? I think you can see you, some of the parks. So you can see some of the parks. But you see life. It's huge. It's, you see lakes. You see life. You see Interstate 4. You see buildings. You see the busy I-4. You see the busy I-Drive. You, you own this space. And I will tell you something else. If you have a significant other in your life, a special person, take them. Go with them on that bodacious trip in our bodacious Ferris wheel. But don't just go. Bring your phone with you and select the music, the song that you both love and dance right there at that Ferris wheel booth. This is the dance you will never forget. Or bring out the ring and make the proposal. I am just saying, this this is a podcast that sometimes takes... um, Interesting terms. It's a persuasion um, topic, but I this is my gift to you, uh, listeners, and to everyone who's uh, enjoying the podcast. Come to Orlando to fer- to our Orlando I Ferris wheel. Take your love, take them up there, bring your phone, turn on the music, and dance and just enjoy each other. This is the moment you will not. This is what this was about. We're creating memories and experiences, and you welcome. John, you're looking at me as, as if I'm, I'm, I, I should reformat this podcast to our relationship issues with Mark. <laughs> I'm sorry, relationship advice with Mark instead of speak brave. <laughs> right? I, no, no, no. We've, I'm just picturing you up there at that moment in life, that moment you dream of, you know, and you've got the music, you've got the phone. The moonlight. You've got the view the lights and of the, the splash of the lights of Orlando, and you're singing, could I have this dance for the rest of our lives? And I can see you down on one knee opening up. Hello, 
My love, will you marry me here at the top of the world? The eye is on all of us. I'm sorry, I'm just so ridiculous. <laughs> what I like about this, John, is where this is back into the persuasion flipping game. Flipping the ego. Flipping to ego. We are flipping, we are listening to our audience. We are listening to our conversation partner. We are listening to what is important to them. Mm-hmm. That's what's important to us, but what's important to them. It's amazing. And then the next step in this conversation process is suggest. You yeah. say, you have this pain point. This is my suggestion. Go to Orlando. Yeah. Make Go a to rec- Ferris wheel. Make the recommendation. Make, make, make the recommendation. You suggest. Then you verify. Say, okay, is this lending? Is this getting you? Yeah. Are you getting traction on this? Are we in agreement? Yes. Do we see eye to eye? Do yes. you understand? Do I need to clarify? Yeah. And after you suggest, you verify, then you close. Close the deal. Close. And when wow. I say close, how does it feel authentic to you? Does it feel authentic to you in a way that, okay. Um, that is so true. Think about this. Yeah. There are some people that relent. I'm talking about customers. Right. They relent. Right, right, right. And I think it's because they just want to get it over with. But then they're going to suffer from buyer's remorse. Right. But then you know that when you walk away because you realize that didn't really go as well as I think. Yeah, I got the sale, but will I keep the sale? Will I retain the relationship? Well, what you want to do is you want to create such a situation in the verification process that when the close comes, the ask part is easy because they're already ready. They have arrived. They have embraced your message. They have embraced your product. They like like you. They They feel comfortable with you. They they trust you. Right. And that's what it is. And then if that doesn't work, you go back to the circle. Mm -hmm. You go back into the conversation. You go back to observation. You you go back to question. Fill in the gaps. You continue to relate. And you relate continuously. And then you flip to the ego again. Then you suggest verify close. And if that doesn't work, then you go back to the cycle and you adjust, but you stay within. Observe, question, relate, flip to ego, suggest, verify, close, and there you have it. That's this a system. Is, yeah. That's a system that we have in our persuasion series, which is part two of three. The first one was pre. This one is actual process. And the next podcast series is going to be post. Mm-hmm. Very important. How we should structure, not should, how we must structure our process for effectiveness for us and for everyone around us. This was a good conversation, John. This this is unusual. We talked about Cristiano Mall. We talked about Orlando Eye. I. I got choked up on coffee. I just had to bring that up. Yeah. And I feel... You just have to delete that out of the conversation. <laughs> no, we, we... Fortunately, you can edit this. No, no. We, we're going to... It was, it was... John got all choked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm glad that this podcast is growing, it's evolving, it's it's becoming it's becoming a movement, mm-hmm. a movement, and I feel it has a lot of spontaneity in it. <laughs> it has a lot to offer, and I enjoy this time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on video as well. Subscribe, share, and like. Share it with your friends and send it. My goal is not only to get it this podcast to be broadcast at the international space station as i always talk about but i want this podcast to be heard recorded to subscribed in every country in the world that people can reach deep down inside and see there's 
there's opportunity, there's new life that they never envisioned because they took the courage to speak brave, to think outside of the lines and allow us to come into your life and offer this as an invitation. Thank you, everyone, for having us in your home, in your car. And I hope you have a great week. And whatever you do, don't forget to speak brave.